Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. everybody doing tonight? It's uh, been some time since I've been up here. I think it's been about a year. Uh, I'm glad that this year is coming to an end with things that I went through and my wife Roberta went through, through my heart surgery, through the death of my father-in-law, Roberta's father, then three months later, the death of her sister. We've been through big storms in our life. And that's why the title tonight of my message is Bringing Jesus into Our Storms. Uh, we're going to be in John 6, right, verse 16 to 21. If you would open your Bibles to that scripture and read along with me. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into a boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose became a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. A lot of you probably recognize that scripture. It's a very famous story. Uh, Many people know it. If you read the Gospel of John, Mark, uh, Matthew, the same stories in there. And we're going to use Matthew and Mark tonight and reference their scripture because John brings out a lot of detail that we're going to fill in that will apply to our application of the story. So I just uh, want to begin, if you can remember what's happened just before that happened with the feeding of the 5,000. People were all gathered to listen to Jesus, and it was starting getting late into the day. And if you remember, uh, Jesus challenged his disciples to feed the 5,000. And he took a, scrap, a few scraps of bread and, and a few scraps of fish, and he miraculously turned them into a whole meal to feed them. And it was the challenge of the disciples. It was Andrew said, how could we feed all these people? And Jesus wanted to test their faith and show them that he could perform miracles like that. Because the disciples really didn't know Jesus that well yet. They started to learn about it. They didn't really know what he was about. And then at the same time, it was sundown, and the people were still there, and the crowd was still around. And Jesus went to his disciples, and he says, I want you guys to take off. I want you to get in the boat, and I want you to go across the sea to Capernaum. The disciples looked at each other and thought it was kind of weird because people were still around, and they really didn't understand why Jesus would do that. But they said, okay, we'll get in the boat, and we'll cross the sea, and we'll wait for you there. And they were being obedient to him. And then he went to the hillside, and he started to pray. 
and he was praying to the Father, spent some time in prayer. But during that time, disciples got into a big storm out on sea. And from what I understand, it was a very dangerous storm. And then on the Sea of Galilee, these storms always erupt. And we could put up the map, right? And you can see here, right? This is Capernaum. The disciples were in this area here where they fed the 5,000. By the way, I'm, I'm really glad that I can use Pastor Joseph's pointer because I'm always sitting in there and I'm saying, man, I wish I could do that. Because when I was a kid, I used to walk up and down a block and I used to take the flashlight and I used to shine it in the windows. So this is like a big thrill to me. I thought, I was a well-adjusted kid, but it's all right. Anyway, so this, was, this is Capernaum. Their disciples were over here. And when they started to come out, they were up in this area. And they were just crossing this small area here. And there was a big storm. And the reason there's a big storm right here is, is that the Sea of Galilee is like a fishbowl. Right? And when the evening comes, the wind comes off the Mediterranean, is over here, and the wind sweeps in off these high cliffs that are around the sea, and they start swirling around and around and around. And we are told that it was a really bad storm, especially because the sea is like 600 feet below sea level. So the wind gets very vicious. And it cool, the wind cools on the lake and causes those kind of storms. But keep in mind, you know, these disciples were experienced fishermen. You know, they were fishing since the day they were born. Right? You know, that they deal with all sorts of storms like this. But this was a really bad storm. Right? And it was particularly rough. And we get a insight in the, in the book of Mark uh, about the passage. And he says, when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Or they were straining at the oars, or straining at rowing. And I thought, oh, this, you know, this is a, this is a, a great name, painfully. You know, I, I looked up the definition of painfully, and it had everything to do with straining and working hard. And I started recently working out in the weight room, lifting weights, and I know what strain is, especially I haven't lifted for over a year. You know, to lift 50 pounds was a killer for me. So I know what straining is. And I thought that them straining out there in the middle of the ocean, middle of the sea, and how scared they were, I just put myself in that position. And the painful, and being painful and straining out the oars, and that's exactly what the, the word is kind of talks about. Now Matthew actually adds to the story telling us that the storm raged during the fourth watch in Matthew 14 25. The fourth watch was created by the Romans when they took watch at night. The first watch was from 6 to 9, the second one was 9 to 12, the third was from 12 to 3, then the fourth watch was from 3 to 6 in the morning. And so Jesus dismissed them right about the time the sun was coming down. So they were out there a long time. They were thrashing around for, for a tremendous amount of time. Uh, if you look at what it says again, it says, when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was out alone on the land. And I want you to know something that, that he says, that he saw that they were making headway painfully. And I particularly want you to know about what it says, that he saw them struggling out in the sea. So remember, he sent them out in the boat. 
So he knew that they were struggling out there on the lake. And he saw what was going on. And he knew what was going on. And that's what, another thing I want you to remember is when we get a little bit further into the passage. Now if we look at the Bible, at John 6, verse 19. It seems to say that they had rowed for about three or four miles. Now this is about halfway across the lake. This wouldn't have taken that long on a regular day. But because it was a bad storm, they were out there about three miles out, and the water was rough, and they were somewhere in the middle. And we know again from Matthew's account that this was between 6 a.m., 3 and 6 a.m. So they've been out there struggling for, for hours, making very little progress. And it says here at the end of 19 that they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened or they were afraid. And I can't imagine being in that boat with the disciples. I mean, we see it on TV, Jesus walking on the water with the movies that came out. But think about it, you really being in the boat and you seeing this person walking across the sea. You know, that would freak me out. I mean, that would really blow my mind. Think about it, right? And they didn't know it was Jesus at the time. But as soon as, uh, as, as from Matthew or from Mark at the end of verse 21, it says, as soon as Jesus got into the boat, immediately the boat was on land on the other side of the lake. And that, of course, was, was, was where they were going. So that was another miraculous thing that happened. They were here in the middle of the ocean, middle of the sea, and Jesus came on board. And the next thing you know, they were on land. Like, what happened? Uh, we were in the middle of a storm, and now we're, here we are, right on land, just like that, just like the blink of an eye. So it would even be more probable than freaking me out, because who would know that would happen? You know, you would think you passed out or something, and all of a sudden you woke up on land. Right? But anyway, so here's what we got the story, and most of us are familiar with the story. If we were raised in church for any sort of time as a kid, we learned about it in Sunday school. But the big question that we want, I want to ask this morning, or this tonight, is that what can we learn from it? What can we learn from this story? What's the takeaway for you and me that's related to this story? Well, one of the first things that reminds us, just by reading the story, that in a believer's life, when at the Lord's direction, we can enter into some pretty scary circumstances. I mean, we might that might mess with your head a little bit, because how could God do that? You know? But I want you to understand that the fact that there are times at God's direction, in other words, we simply are obedient to his word, that we can get into some dangerous and scary circumstances. Just because you're doing what the Lord told you to do doesn't mean that you're going to be out of danger or you won't be in a scary circumstance or you won't go through a tough trial. So we see that when they get halfway out and across the lake and the wind starts whipping around and the waves are beating against them and they're hardly making any progress and it's all dangerous and frightening. And why is that? Because that's what Jesus directed them to do. That's what Jesus told them to do. He directed them in that direction. And then, because Jesus told them to be there, and this is a very important thing to understand, 
And remember that what we learn from the passage in Mark 6 is, is this. If you look at Mark 6, 45, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. He made the disciples get in the boat. So what does that imply? It implies that it's all part of his plan. Wow. Have you heard that before, God's plan? That was all part of his plan. It's okay, but remember one thing, people, when we talk about Jesus doing stuff and saying stuff, we're saying that we're we're seeing God doing and saying saying things. So here's the question if somebody were to ask you, would God ever ask you to do something or go somewhere or do something that result in you danger or personally personally hurt you or go through a trial? And the answer is yes, he would. Yes, he would. It doesn't mean that he's not going to take care of you, but you may very well find yourself in a very dangerous circumstance, even as you were walking in obedience to the word of the Lord. So, just like when we read through, if you read through the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul's ministry was fraught with danger, right? He had difficulty right from the beginning. The entire time, he got thrown in jail. He had no clothes at times. He was starving. Uh, he, he took a lot of beatings. He was often without food and with proper clothing. So Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, was placed in situations of danger and difficulty as a result of the Lord's direction, his willingness to walk out the calling of the Lord. So there you go, all right? So we see things, we're seeing things God will allow and even direct us in the path of storms from time to time. It's not going to be easy. And one of the reasons I'm sharing this with you is because I know that a lot of you are going through storms today. A lot of you are going through trials. And since we know that Jesus directed the disciples into his boat and told them to go across the lake, we know that this was an act of obedience on his part. And yet, here it was full of problems and issues. And I hear from Christians all the time saying, you know, I, I, I do my level best. I, I try to walk with obedience. I try to do what God tells me to do. You know, I try to have a good marriage. I, I try to be a good husband or a good like wife, then all of a sudden something comes into the situation and the whole thing blows up in your face. And it's, it's a mess. It's all, and problems all over the place in the, in the marriage. Or somebody wants to be a good parent and try to raise their kids you know, in a godly manner. And something happens or a situation happens and the whole thing gets blown up in your face. And you say to yourself, now what am I going to do? I'm just trying to be obedient. I mean, what happened? What am I trying to do? And some people would begin to question whether they're really doing what the Lord wanted them to do. And I, and I say to them, I say, well, why do you say that? And they say, well, look, it's a mess. No, it's a mess. Look what's happening. We can't do that. We can't, really, really can't do that. We can't become a circumstantial Christian. We, we just can't do that. We cannot base our understanding of whether or not something is right or wrong or whether the Lord tells us to do one thing or another because of our circumstances around us. We just can't do that. If Paul was to base his ministry on circumstance, he would have quit the first day. 
thankfully he pressed on and he knew even though he was walking the way of the Lord and being obedient, he had trials and tribulations in his walk. The things going to come which will, will challenge us and the challenges will be there all the time and there'll be plenty of them. Now people say, well, it doesn't look good. Look what's happening out here. And I, would, and I say to them, I know, I know. But did the Lord tell you to do that? The person would tell me, oh yeah. Then keep doing it. Keep doing it. Persevere. Don't, don't stop because of your circumstances. Because stay the course. Just you know that the Lord is guiding you. So, but how do we typically respond to that? How do we respond to something like that? And let me show you in Mark where it says, in verse 648, where it says, they were heading, they were heading painfully, making a headway painfully, for the wind was against them. So the wind was, they were making headway painfully. And this is how we respond sometimes in a storm, right? We find ourselves in the midst of them and we try to make headway painfully, but it's painful. In the NIV, it reads that they were straining at the oars. And the word straining is actually where we get it from, the word painfully in the Greek. But we tend to try to do it on our own. And that's what we do. We decide if it's getting hard, we need to work harder. We just have to work harder. This isn't working. It's not coming together. And God directed me to do this, so I got to do this. And I gotta make it come together and I just gotta bear down and do it. And I just need to double down and work harder and make things work. You know, grit my teeth and just make it happen. And I don't know if that sounds like anything you can relate to, but I've done that many times. Many times. Our motto seems to be but the old saying when it when it gets tough, the tough gets going. You know, and believe is just try harder. And some of you are in a storm right now and you're there because you feel that the Lord directed you to be there. But he directed you to be there in a particular way and now it's not going very well. And you're wondering what to do. But what you're doing is straining at the oars. You're trying to do it yourself. And you're making progress painfully. And the problem is that we're doing it on our own strength. And that's what happens. We get into trouble we begin to face difficult times in the obedience to our Lord. And we say to ourselves, I gotta get better, I gotta do this. Notice I'm saying I. And I remember one reminder today that that in, in a lot of tribu- trials and tribulations that we face through, we're not doing it alone. The Lord is there for you. And I want you to remind you of that, and the first reminder comes from the book of Colossians, um, uh, Colossians 1.29. And it says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me, or I labor. And Paul writes, I toil, struggling with all this energy, that he powerfully works within me. That's interesting, isn't it? It sounds like a contradiction, right? I toil, but he, but he, but he, has, he struggled with all his energy, well, guys, energy, but I, I, I toil. It's like a contradiction, right? It's like I do all the work, you know. I would, I'll toil, and if God's going to do all the work, then I'll just sit back and watch. No, that's not exactly what's going on. There's nothing wrong with hard work, 
and the Bible is positive about hard work, but when it comes to following the calling of the Lord, doing that work, what the Lord wants you to do, he wants you to do it in his, in his strength and in his power. In Ephesians 6.10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, or the strength of his might. And that's what Paul said in Ephesians. You know, I, I'm so glad that Paul just said the statement, not just said in the statement, be strong. You know, can you imagine that we come to church and we have fellowship and we talk about our trial and we say, oh, wait, you just got to be strong. You just got to be tough, you know. I remember when I was a kid, I was playing sports. I was playing football when I was 11 years old. And I got tackled and I was at the bottom of the pile and my face got crunched into the ground, you know. So I'm 11 years old and I come up crying, right? And the coach comes running out and he goes, kid, you got to be tough. He says, you got to be tough. You know, you got to take it like a man. Here I am, 11 years old. That's easy for you to say. You're not, your face ain't in the ground, you know. But you just got to be tough. And I, I, I just hated that. I wanted, I wanted to smack him in the back of the head when I was a kid. But that's what, you know, that's what they say. But that's what, but that's by that, they, kept, they said that over and over and over again. You know, just be strong. But we say, as Christians, be strong in his might, Right? The strength of his might be strong in the Lord. And that's what God intends for you to do when he calls you and directs you, sends you out into a storm. And then I love this passage from the Psalms. Psalms 18. The psalmist says, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except the God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights, for he equipped me with the strength of battle. That's a great message, right? I like the imagery that it has with the, with the deer. That he's just prancing across the rocks. Now, if you and I tried to do that, we'd probably break a leg or sprain an ankle or something like that. But this but the psalmist says, no, God made me just like a deer. In other words, my footing was secured, and I was able to literally dance across the rocks, otherwise in a, otherwise in a dangerous situation. And the psalmist says, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms bend, like bend, can bend a bow of bronze. And that's how God's intention is for us to deal with the kind of storms that we run into. Now, here's the question we have to ask ourselves in a further application. How do we get there? How do we get there? In other words, we know that when God calls us, he calls us and desires that we would walk in his strength. But how do we know to get to that point? Well, when I was a, a young Christian, when I just came to the Lord, I wanted to know how to follow Jesus. So what I did was I followed the disciples. I saw well, how the disciples worked and what they did with Jesus. So that's what we're going to do tonight. What did the disciples do in this bad storm? So if you look at verse 18, and you look at the, in the Bible, John 6, verse 18, and it says, The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, I want you to take notice that Jesus was walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were afraid and frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. So what are we saying? 
Remember that they were out in the Sea of Galilee. They were seeing Jesus. They were seeing Jesus coming out towards their boat. They were seeing Jesus walking on the water, the very thing that was threatening their lives. Jesus had it under his feet. It is under his domain. It was under his control. So the first thing that the disciples did, they recognized who was in control. And that was Jesus Christ. They knew that he was in control. And that the first thing that you would have to do is when you're facing a storm, and the result of the calling or direction of the Lord is that you have to realize that Jesus is in control. When I was lying in a hospital bed for two weeks, I knew that Jesus was in control. I wasn't in control. They had to decide either to do open heart surgery on me or go through my arteries to put in a valve in my heart. And I gave it up to the Lord. I said, Jesus, you're in control. You're the one that's going to choose this for me. And chose for the valve to come up through my artery, and I didn't need to have open heart surgery, which I had the first time. So something we have to realize when we're in situations, circumstances, that Jesus is in control. He is the one that we need to lean on. Do you remember uh, right before when Jesus uh, sent his disciples out to the Great Commission, and he said to them, "Go out and make disciples of all the all the nations." And you know what he said before that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's a great leader when you're trying to send somebody out on a dangerous mission. Right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's mine. In other words, all the things that the world can threaten you with, all the things the world can, can hurt you with, he has under his feet. And it's something that we should remember. It's all under his feet. And that's what Jesus has shown when he walked on the waves. The very thing that was threatening the lives of the disciples. He said, this dom- I dominate it. It doesn't dominate me. If you look at verse 21, there, uh, we pick up our second point of what the disciples did. Or what they, they, what they did. And it says that they were glad to see him in the boat. Imagine, I would be too. After being out there for hours and hours and hours, I'd be glad to see to see him in the boat. And that's the very next thing that we see here, that the disciples received Jesus into the boat. And this is where you and I, if I'm in a situation, we have, we have to bring Jesus into our storm, into the very thing that's threatening us, into a, the very circumstance, into the very trial that we're going through. We need to bring Jesus into it. And for a lot of times, we don't do this. We have to ask him to come to the place that's threatening us, wherever it may be. If it's our marriage, our home, our children, our family, our jobs, our health, we have to ask Jesus to come into our life, to come into the storm. But so many Christians, I find, feel like God is going to be disappointed or something if they don't get it done on their own. They can't really understand why, you know, they're not doing it on their own on their own and the Lord and they don't ask the Lord for help because he knows he's expecting me to do this well he's expecting us you to come to him to do this to trust him to get whatever done is done through him and not ourselves so they received Jesus in the boat the disciples and now the 
look at the end of the verse of, of 21. And it says, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. And this is number three on the list of what the disciples did. After they received Jesus or invited him on the boat, they found that the assigned task, which by the way, had been assigned, assigned by Jesus to get into the boat and go, go to Capernaum, was completed. As soon as they got in the boat, they were on the other side, just like a blink of an eye. Did you ever pray to Jesus, pray to the Lord, and the next day, whatever you pray about happens, just, just like that? And you say, so I just prayed about that, and look what, look what happened. That's how Jesus works sometimes. Yeah. But the snap of the fingers, you know, your prayers could be answered. Sometimes not. Not by means of self, anyway. Not by the power and the might. Not by the might and power and, the, and our presence, but the presence of the Lord. Because I saw that he had dominion over me. And these things, I invited him into my circumstance. I invited him into this dangerous situation. I said, Lord, I need you. I trust you. And suddenly there was this supernatural thing that happened. I could think of many things that Roberta and I had prayed about, but all of a sudden it came, you know, came to pass. Uh, so it's like sometimes it's supernatural, and sometimes this is the way Jesus works in our lives. That, you know, you can pray for one thing and it can happen overnight, or you can pray for other things and not have it happen at all. It's his will. You know what's really interesting about this story here is that in the Gospel of John, John leaves out one of the most dyna dynamic parts of the story, which is Matthew gives us in, in, in his version that he left out Peter. I don't know why he left it out. That would be a good Q&A question, I think. Why Peter was left out. John left Peter out of this, you know, very famous story. He might have had a beef with him or something, knowing Peter, I don't know. But he left him out. And the story goes like this. It says in Matthew 14, 28, 33. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him and saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat and the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped and saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And Peter, and it goes, and Peter answered him, and he said, Lord, save me. I don't know about you, but there were a lot of times in my life where I asked the Lord to save me. I cried out to the Lord to save me. And I mean, Peter started off pretty good, right? You have to admit, he, he, even before Jesus got in the boat, Peter just rose up in faith. He was like, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, but let me come to you walking on the water. And Jesus replied, okay, come. And Peter came. But what happened was Peter took his eyes off the Lord. You know, it must have been a big wave or he must have saw something. But his eyes was taken off the Lord. And what happened? He started to sink. He started to sink in the, into the water. And he, he's walking on the water and he's sinking and, and he sees and he starts to go down and he begins to sink and 
He says to the Lord, Lord, save me. And Jesus was right there. And Jesus is always going to be right there. When we call out to Jesus and we ask him to save us or to be in our storm, he will be there for us too. So I really think that the great lesson from this passage is that we're all in the same boat. Whether you're white or black or Chinese or whatever you are, believing in the Lord, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm. So I really think that this lesson is all about recognizing the power of the one who is completely complete dominion in the midst of the kind of circumstances that we see that shows up completely unable to make any sort of positive change. Then we invite Jesus into the storm and in his power and his presence and into whatever he has called us to do or to be, whatever that may be. Let's pray. Father, dear Lord, we just uh, come to you collectively as a, as a church family, dear Lord, and we recognize you that nothing's too difficult for you, that we need to see you for who you are, dear Lord. We ask you to come into our circumstances, into our financial roles, into our family drama, into our health, into our work issues, into our addictive behaviors. We invite you into our besetting areas of sin. We ask you, O Lord, to help us, dear Lord, that we should keep our eyes on you, that we can't do it ourselves, and that the victory is yours, and to stop straining against the oars in our strength, because, Lord, we're getting nowhere. Strengthen us, Father, to be with us with the power of your mighty might to walk with us in the supernatural work of your spirit. We ask all these things in Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.